Good afternoon. I'm Leslie Tolbert, Regents Professor in Neuroscience at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Today we're joined by Connie Woodhouse, Professor in the School of Geography and Development. Connie has broad interests in understanding our past climate, especially here in the Colorado River Basin, and using climate science to inform decisions about water resource management today. Thank you for being here, Connie. Oh, you're welcome. You're reconstructing a detailed picture of climate and particularly natural water resources in the distant past. How do you do that? We use tree rings. At least that's what I use. Um, if you think about looking at a cross-section of a tree, a stump, you know that you can see the annual ringlets. And if you look closely, you notice that the ringlets vary in their width. And the widths are driven by the climate conditions, for the most part, that affect tree growth. And does that give you detailed information about what happened in the course of a given year, or does it give you just an annual record? Well, they're annual rings, but the rings are influenced by different climate factors. So in the upper Colorado River Basin, the trees are mostly uh, tuning into the conditions over the course of the, the cool season, so that that ring width gives us information about cool season, moisture, snowpack, the things that happen in the winter that then condition the soil when the tree starts to grow in the spring so that the, if it's a wet year, the tree will take advantage of that moisture and grow a big ring. If it's a dry year, over the course of the winter and the soil moisture is dry, that tree will grow a narrow ring in that year. We actually calibrate the ring widths with the instrumental data. So we're using a statistical approach to actually do that calibration to generate an equation which the trees are estimating or predicting the climate variable we're interested in. So it's a quantitative method. And how do you dissect apart the impact of rainfall and the impact of ambient temperature? Mostly we rely on the fact that trees that are at mostly growing at the lower elevations or middle elevations are limited by moisture. So that their ringlets are going to reflect variations in moisture. Um, they're not limited by temperature so much, although hot and dry kind of go together. Um, but trees at upper elevations, at like at tree line or at high latitudes, those trees are more limited by the length of the growing season, which is tied pretty closely to the summer temperatures. So we get summer temperatures out of those kind of trees, and the lower and middle elevation trees give us information about moisture variability. As you look into the past, you learn about uh, change over, over long time periods. What does the future look like to you now? The trees are a record of the past. They're not going to predict the future, but what we learn from the trees of the past is that they guide our expectations for what we might expect in the future, given natural climate variability. So if we look into the past and we see that the trees are reflecting drought conditions over multiple decades, longer than any droughts we've experienced in the modern period, um, that happened under natural variability. And since it happened under natural variability, which doesn't stop, as we go into the future with climate change, we can expect under natural variability alone we'd see those kind of droughts in the future. But then, of course, the climate of the future is not analogous to the climate of the past because of the effects that humans have had on it. So we need to consider that there's warming added to that natural variability, which is going to further impact those droughts. So how are you going to use this knowledge to inform policy that's developed around our use of natural resources well, in many cases, water managers um, have used the instrumental record as a guide for their drought planning. Until the drought of the 2000s, the 1950s drought was sort of the, a basic drought that we used, was used as a worst-case scenario in, in many parts of Colorado, anyway. 
Um, once we looked at the Turing record, we found that the 1950s kind of drought, the length of the drought and the severity was kind of typical, but there were more worse droughts occurring in the in more distant past. How far back do you go? Well, we can go back in the Colorado River to about 700, so that's 700 A.D., um, but actually, in, in many parts, uh, well, in some parts of the Colorado River Basin, you see droughts that are worse than the 1950s drought. You don't have to go back that far. But certainly when we go back into the 1100s, we see some very long droughts, which haven't been replicated at all in the instrumental period. And are you fearful that they will be replicated in the nearer-term future, given the direction we're going right now? I'm more concerned about the impacts of climate change on the kind of droughts that aren't that severe. What do you mean by that? Well, we're seeing more that uh, temperatures making droughts that used to, like the 1950s drought occurred under temperatures that were not as warm as the temperatures of today. So if we had a 1950s drought starting now with the warmer temperatures, the impact of that drought on stream flow would be greater than it was in the 1950s. Listen to this and all Arizona Science Conversations at azpm.org slash Arizona Science. This is Leslie Tolbert.